In today's episode, we are talking to a man named Andy Robin, who is the author of a book called Tapas Life. Um, it's a book about retirement in a tapas, tapas type of way. And if you think about tapas, you're thinking of maybe going to a restaurant where you eat, where you order five to 10 different dishes. So you can try a little bit of everything. And that's what his whole concept is, but in the retirement form. So bringing all these different elements into your retirement post career type of life. And he, he, he spells it out in his book. He thinks it's very fulfilling. The interview is fantastic. I think you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I'm glad you'd give us a better description there, Merce, because every time I hear somebody say tapas, I always think I hear topless. <laughs> and uh, tapas is something that I love too, as far as the food and just getting all that variety. So to think about retirement life with a lot of variety uh, makes it sound very, very appealing. And I think you're going to find uh, Andy uh, very easy to listen to and how he explains things is, is great. Uh, by the way, if you've not had a chance, please check out our website, pomwealth.net. Uh, we encourage you to go to the blog page because there's just a, a new article every single week. And it's just a great way for you to be able to keep up with all of the different topics around planning for and living through retirement. Also, if you are listening to us on the website, uh, make sure you go to the bottom of the player. You can click on subscribe or and then follow us, whatever, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be Spotify or iTunes or CastBox or whatever it might be. And then if you are listening to us on iTunes, we would love it if you would give us a five-star rating, if you think we're a five-star type of a podcast, and write us a review. We love to have those reviews. So before we get in, though, we have to do a disclosure. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Welcome everyone to our Monday podcast where we our goal is to always bring someone that can add value and can help us in uh, uh, making good decisions or thinking about or looking at examples of others that have gotten ready for and they're living through retirement. And we try to do things from time to time around lifestyle. How do we have a retirement that I guess gives us fulfillment? That's probably a good way to say it. And today, I think we have done a, a good job with the guest that we have in the sense that what he's going to be able to talk about, I think is going to be very intriguing. His name is Andy Robin, and he is the author of the book that is entitled Tapas Life. We'll ask him what that means here in a minute, but Tapas Life, a rich and rewarding life after your long career. So Andy, thank you so very much for coming on and chatting with us today and bringing us to us some of your wisdom. Thanks for including me, gents. 
Very good. So I've got a question for you. Before we get into all the stuff about the, the book and kind of some of the things that you teach and talk about, can you just give us a brief background of kind of like what where you come from and kind of what made you get to this point of actually writing a book about this tapas life? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm originally from Chicago, as you can probably tell from the way I speak. And uh, but my dad was an entrepreneur, moved the family to Mexico when I was a kid. So I grew up in Mexico City. And I think having those two alternative experiences and viewpoints prepared me for a career in marketing, which uh, I was in business to business marketing, the semiconductor industry for a few decades. And uh, after that, my wife and I had agreed to swap roles before we got married. Uh, when our kids were in their early teens, uh, she went back to work after staying home to raise them. And she went back to her career and I became a house dad one Friday after being VP of marketing of a big uh, semiconductor company. Uh, at a great time with those kids. And then I found I had to reinvent my life after they went to college. And it took me about four and a half years to figure out a life. One day on the street, somebody stopped me, a friend. Hey, Andy, how are you doing? What are you up to? I said, well, I'm, I'm living my tapas life. It uh, dawned on me at that moment that I had assembled an interesting life of lots of little pieces that fit together really well. And I decided, boy, that was kind of a long adventure. When I talked to friends, they didn't seem to have anything like that in mind. So I figured I'd write a book about it, you know, not to make, make a bunch of money, which I'm busy not doing with the book, <laughs> uh, but to try to be helpful to some other folks. And it's, uh, it's really part of my meaningful tapa, if you think of it that way. Gotcha. Andy, yeah, thanks for that, that, that overview. Um, and uh, you, you've had a very fulfilling life, it seems. You know, I, I see here that you got your MBA at Harvard, and then you had a nice career, good family life, and everything like that. And then that led to this book called Tapas Life, which I think of, and I'm sure everyone is envisioning uh, all these different plates set in front of you. Uh, different categories of proteins, different categories of everything. And you just get to taste a little bit of all, all of it. So is that kind of what you're saying is that um, in this book here, you, do you believe that, you know, you should have a, a lot of different things going on in your life, particularly when it comes to that retirement stage that everyone's excited about, but also a little fearful of, because they, they maybe haven't given enough thought as to what they are going to do. So is that kind of what you're saying here? Top of life is the way to go. Uh, it's it's a way to go, Merce. I mean, I'm the last guy who will tell everybody that one size fits all. And, you know, certainly there are people who like to work until they get dragged out of the office in a pine box. And there are folks who like to sit around and watch the grass grow. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that there's a large category of people for whom a tapas life will be really interesting and something they probably have not contemplated during their long career. People think about what's my next act going to be? And I think about, well, what's your next collection of apps going to be? You know, what are all the different things that you could do? Because life is, life is diverse and interesting. There's a lot of stuff out here to enjoy and to engage in and to learn from. And so all I'm saying is that open your eyes to the option that you can assemble a life 
it has all these many different elements that you can uh, participate in. Great. Could you kind of give us just so that we can make sure we're all thinking similar here? Can you kind of give us an idea of maybe some of these different tapas things that you've either experienced yourself or that you see other people that are maybe in your peer group that that would fit in that category of a tapas event? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So. If I just if I just name my own tapas as an example, and then a few more from some friends I know. Uh, so I had to become a cook when I became house dad in our family, because and you know it took me six months until the family wasn't arch with me. So cooking's one of my tapas. I'm now pretty good at it. I enjoy it. I like good wine. I'm a wine collector, so I've built a big wine cellar. And I enjoy reading about it, tasting it, sharing it with friends, matching it with with food. I like the arts. So I play classical piano about an hour and a half a day, which is something I just started doing when I was 52. I started taking lessons and, you know, now 15 years later, I'm pretty decent at it. Travel is one of my wife and my tapas. Uh, I do my life in executive coaching, which is also one of my meaningful tapas, along with the book. And so, and I have an exercise tapas. So I play a little golf. I work out twice a week, keep my body in decent shape. So you got to have your health or otherwise nothing else is worth a darn. And, uh, you know, so many things like that. I have a friend who always wanted to be an equestrian and now she is. She likes hanging out with her dogs. Yeah, I have a friend who is very focused on a bunch of grandchildren they have, and that's one of their big tapas. Yeah, there's many different things that you can engage in. So I'd like to jump into the book a little bit here. We've got we've we've looked through some of the the things that you're talking about there, and um, this one phrase kind of jumps out to me, and it, it's 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 failing freely. Um, and so from the book, I, I guess you're, you're trying to teach people how to live a risk-free adventure and you say by failing freely. And so I, I know that failing is, you know, it's part of life and sometimes really good lessons come out, out of it. Um, and, and resilience comes out of it. So what, what's your opinion? What, what are you talking about there in that chapter? Well, if you think about, if you think about most of your life, you've worked hard not to fail at things, right? You maybe wanted to do okay in school. When you got a job, you wanted to do well enough to get promoted and get more pay and get some respect from your peers and superiors and to be able to move around and do what you wanted to do. Uh, after your long career, if you've saved well, and if you invest well, according to the advice of guys like Raiden and Murs, then for the first time in your life, you can try stuff and fail miserably at it. And there's just no cost to that. The only thing I really advocate is, yeah, go ahead and try it. And if you fail at it, either try again, see if you like it better again, or if you don't, at least mine it for learning. Okay, so that was a dud. What did I learn from that? Oh, well, maybe I don't like doing that kind of thing. Maybe I only thought I liked doing that kind of thing. 
or maybe I need to try some other thing that's a little different from that. And then all those, all those little mini adventures or big adventures can be a delight and can be the source of learning and personal growth and makes life interesting. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. Very good. You know, um, one of the things that we hear a lot, because we work with a lot of people that, you know, have worked, you know, obviously for decades, and now all of a sudden they find themselves either stopping that particular career or with that, you know, that, that part of their life. And now all these, you know, it's a whole new life in a lot of different ways. And one of those is, is, is this idea of, of, you know, I used to go to work every day and I had those people that I hung out with, and now I don't have those people anymore. And you talk about making sure that we build social connections and making sure we do that. How, how do you suggest for people that are, you know, transitioning and basically kind of maybe even moving? We have some folks that, that, that moved literally their home from wherever they live. Maybe for us, it's a lot of people in the Northeast moving down here. So now they've yeah. come into a place where they don't know anybody. Yep. Um, how do you, how do you get into that scenario of, of having new, new friends and, and nurturing those social connections? Sure. So let me first say, if you're an extrovert, if you're, if, or at least if you're a couple, one of you is an extrovert, that really helps because you're a person who gets your energy from being with other people. So you're going to be comfortable reaching out a lot because it, it feels good. If you're both introverts, it's going to be hard. And because uh, the only way to get it done is to reach out. And so if you're a religious person and have a religious community, then meet people at your place of religion. If you're a card player, join a bridge club join a poker club. If you're into movies, you know, most communities have groups that get together and watch a movie and talk about it or have a glass of wine afterwards and talk about it. Were you going to say something, Merz? Oh, no, carry on. I've okay. got another question for okay. my brain, but you can. Okay. All right. But, uh, joining some sort of group or interacting with some sort of group, is going to be a good way to get a handhold because otherwise it's going to be too easy to be holed up at home, disconnected. And lots of research says that when you disconnect and don't have social connection, your life really goes down a pretty bad decline. It gradually affects your immune system and it's a bad outcome. So yeah, really you you've you've got to get connected and that's that's probably a good way to to go about it yeah i know i know this past uh year going through the pandemic and everything like that that was a a small taste of you know what isolation can feel like whether you're ready for it or not whether you chose to 
retire or not, everyone got a little taste of some type of isolation with all the quarantining that was happening all over the world. Yeah. Um, and so I, I agree. It's very important to kind of stay social in whatever manner that makes sense for you uh, and finding that pathway to get to it. Um, but you know, when we're, when we're working, there's certain things that we have to do to stay, stay current, whether it's just reading the, the news every morning or staying uh, aware of all the different things in our own career and staying sharp, basically. Um, and so how does someone do that once they start to uh, phase out of their career or they, they do retire? Uh, you, you have this phrase of keeping your business brain alive. Um, and so what, 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 what do you say there? So there are some, there are some ways of, of uh, engaging actively and more passively. So more passively, you know, you can still get together with friends from work or colleagues from work and stay a little bit up to speed. And that may work for some number of years until it starts to feel like you're kind of disconnected, right? Unless they were especially good friends. And that's a good way to stay up on what's going on. And if while you were in some, some business or industry, you read certain publications or listened to certain podcasts or followed certain authors, you can continue to do that. And those are good uh, passive ways to stay abreast. Uh, but if you want a business tapa, then you can apply your business brain that you've accumulated over decades and put it to active work. So you can go be a coach to people in an area that you know about, in which case get a little training. Uh, it's useful to learn how to be a coach. So you do a good job of it. You don't have to do a ton of that, but some is good. Be a mentor. If you know some people who are a little younger or a little less far along in their career than you were, maybe back at your old workplace, contact them and say, hey, I'm willing to be a mentor to you, either for free or for some amount of remuneration, or do some networking amongst your friends and relatives and see who, who you might be a mentor or a coach to. You can still get involved and be a consultant. When my wife left her large job to uh, be mo house mom to little babies, she wound up doing some headhunting in the industry she worked in because she knew a lot of people. So she did some recruiting and executive recruiting in that industry for a few years and still she, she started to lose her contacts in the industry. But those are, those are ways that you can be either passively or actively engaged in using your business brain. Very nice. Now, when we were having a brief conversation before we uh, started recording our podcast, we you mentioned this and I'll, we had a, a whole conversation with a person about this idea of while we're growing a career or yet come into retirement, sometimes uh, partners uh, end up not being able to stay on the same path. And then, you know, we have folks that come in and maybe it's a husband and wife or it's two people who have been together and they say, man, I don't know what it's going to be like being at home with them all the time now that they, you know, have stopped their career. And you have a whole chapter on spousal conversations. Could you give us a little bit of insight there about what you've learned on that and what your, your message is on that? Yeah, it's the, it's the old joke, right? You, 
the one spouse says to the other, you can, you can hang around the house all you want as long as you don't come inside. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the fact is, is that after your long career, a lot of divorces actually happen then. And it's kind of a sad thing. You've really spent your whole life uh, building uh, a life together. And then you can easily find that you uh, don't know each other very well anymore. You're certainly not the same people you were when you got together. You've certainly developed in many ways on different paths. And so, yeah, very actively sitting down and having a heart to heart with your spouse or partner and saying, let's rediscover who we are. Let's reinvent our relationship. Let's learn about what we each still want out of life and what we'd like our days and months to look like. And let's find out what we still have in common. What do we still like to do together? How do we want our lives to be? And that may be kind of awkward to sit down and say that to a spouse or partner. But you know, there's not a one who will react other than by saying, wow, okay, let's try it. I, I don't know what this conversation will be like, but I don't think you'll find many people who will react by saying, that's stupid, what a dumb waste of time. I think people will be quickly engaged and you're not gonna have a 10, 10 minute conversation about that and be done. You're gonna have multiple conversations and they're gonna go on for weeks or months and new things are gonna to come to mind and your brain and heart need soak time between the conversations to get clearer and to figure out what life may wanna be like both for yourself and together with a spouse or partner. And, you know, in my book, I talk about some questions you can ask, some conversations you can have, but there are also lots of other sources of, and other books about how to have those conversations at this sort of age. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Communication is very important, especially when uh, the life that you knew is completely changing. And, and so you want to be able to talk through that. Um, uh, I guess my last question, and it seems like it would be uh, somewhat of a no-brainer, but it's still, you know, how do you do it is always the, uh, an issue, which is staying healthy. Um, obviously, everyone wants to stay healthy, but, um, you know, maybe you had that lifestyle when you were working that 40, 50-hour week to where, you pretty much had a sedentary job and, um, but you didn't have the energy or the effort to put in the work to stay healthy, or maybe you develop bad eating habits, or maybe it was the opposite. Maybe you had a very active job, active, active lifestyle, and then you don't have that anymore once you retire and you transition into more of a sedentary lifestyle. So what's your thoughts on, I know you have a whole chapter on it, but what's your thoughts on it? And why is it so important to stay healthy once you make that transition? You know, people who have been in good health all the time maybe don't appreciate what it's like not to be in good health. But let me tell you and ask anybody else who's 
maybe a little older or who has had some health problems. When you don't have your good health, life sucks. It's bad. That's not where you want to wind up. And if you think about it in your 50s and 60s and beyond, the one strong point I'd really like to make is when you keep your good health, you are delaying the day when your loved ones have to become your caregivers. Nobody really wants to become a burden to their loved ones. And so if you don't want to do that to the people you love, then you need to keep your health good. I point out in the book, you can have multiple trajectories after your long career. You can have a long gradual decline into death, or you can stay pretty much at peak level till pretty late in the game. And finally, the mechanism starts to give out. And I'd say, boy, the, the latter is where you want to go. You want to have some good quality of life and years to enjoy it. You don't want to just fall apart by degrees until your quality of life is bad. So there's two elements to it. It's kind of simple. Yeah, it's exercise and, and eating. And, uh, you know, eating is, uh, you know, getting away from what has made uh, much of America obese and uh, a lot of diabetes and heart trouble. And instead, you know, eating a healthy mix of, uh, you know, good carbs, good, good vegetables and fruits and uh, good protein, you know, more chicken and fish and led, less red meat uh, and uh, good fats. So, you know, avocado and nuts and stuff like that. Eat that way. Uh, if you're really into it, then do the so-called uh, uh, limited fasting where you basically only eat during a certain time window during the day because it gives your body longer to prosecute the food and get your body back up to snuff for the next morning. So don't eat, don't be going out to big dinners at nine o'clock at night like you did when you were 30 because it's not what your body wants today. So, you know eating pretty basic. In terms of uh, exercise, yeah, you don't have to go to the Olympics, but you have to walk some or run some. Uh, I advocate strongly what I learned from a book called Younger Next Year, uh, working out on machines or doing things that exercise all parts of your body, not for strength, but for so-called proprioception so that your brain remains connected to all the parts of your body. Because otherwise, as you get older, when you trip, you fall over and hurt yourself. Unlike when you're in your 20s and 30s, when you trip and you catch yourself and keep going. And so the longer you can keep your brain and body connected so that you have quick reactions to things, the better a chance you have of not being the person who falls over, breaks their hip, gets pneumonia and dies, which happens to too many people. And so, you know, those are the two elements. Very good. Well, uh, certainly, uh, you know, 
it, what I like about this is, is, you know, when we talk to people, some people talk theoretical of what they think is going to be the case. And it's nice to be able to talk to somebody who has kind of lived this and made this a part of their life. So it makes it much more easy for us to, to take in. So, uh, Andy, if, if somebody wanted to, to get the book or they wanted to maybe reach out to you and just see about you know, what, what type of things that you might be able to assist them with when it comes to coaching or whatever it might be, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, so if they go to tapaslife.com, they can learn a little bit more about the book and about me and about other people. And uh, then there's, there's a link there to Amazon where they can buy the book or either as a paperback or a Kindle, uh, or they can just go straight to Amazon and buy it. Just uh, look up Tapas Life in books. Very good. Well, we'll make sure we have all that information in, uh, on the website and the show notes and all that kind of thing. But uh, thank you so much, Andy. We certainly do appreciate you coming on and, and uh, talking with us today. Delighted. Right on, Merce. Thanks very much for including me. All right, everyone. That wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it, and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. Just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.